0: of a series that we have been on uh, since last year, and uh, it is the book of Acts. And so what we are what we are doing is we are returning to this series that we've been on in the book of Acts. And the reason that we felt like the Lord put it on our heart to speak from the book of Acts is because in the book of Acts, you have the story of a people transformed by the outpouring of the Spirit of God and how they carried that transformation. They allowed it to transform them, but also how they carried that transformation to the culture around us. And we thought this is a great time for us to be asking the question in 2022, to be asking the question, what does it look like to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led community that is transformed by Jesus, but is also looking and saying, "God, how would you have us bring transformation to the to the places, to the families, to the marketplaces and to the communities that we are a part of?" And so just remembering as a little bit of background to the book of Acts is that Acts is not does not have an ending. We talked about these things early on, but it was months and months ago. So remember this, the implication of Acts never having an actual ending chapter or a wrap-up chapter is the belief and the implication that we are to continue as God's Spirit-filled people. And the expectation is is that the work that God started so long ago in the book of Acts is continuing in and through communities of believers all around the world today, including ours. And the Holy Spirit was poured out for us to go, not for us to just gather. And I know that that's kind of like a fun little sentence to say, but there's truth to it is that so often we are simply people who are very good at getting together. And I want us to be people who are both good at gathering together, but also very good at asking the question, how and to whom would you have me or us as a community go? And what does it look like for us to go? So remember this. The book of Acts is an invitation for us to be spirit filled, to see miracles and signs and wonders that point people to Jesus in and through and around our lives. And that because God has called us to go, he is also enabling us and empowering us to bring the story and the message of Jesus' hope and life and the pathway that he created to the father, to the two people who so desperately need to hear it. So let's open our our Bibles to Acts chapter 16. And if you've been with us for the last several weeks, we have been doing our series on the foundations of who we are as living waters. And in some ways that's been a little bit more of us simply declaring vision and, and, and talking about who we are. Uh, but now we're going to move more into a little bit more of a Bible study type teaching. So if Uh, If you turn to Acts 16, I'm going to read this in its entirety because I want us to be able to get it into our hearts. So what does it look like? The main point of Acts 16 is that they were Spirit-led. So not only were, as we talked about last week in Acts 2 and Acts 4, not only is this a Spirit-filled community of believers, this is a Spirit-led community of believers. So Paul and Timothy and Silas and Lydia and so many of the early believers, because they were led by the Spirit, they were experiencing a season that we would, it sounds super churchy, but we would say they had a grace on their life. They had God's supernatural favor on their life. And so often when we say the word grace in church, we've tied it to salvation and the doctrine of salvation, but it is so much more than just the doctrine of salvation. It is not what we only what we receive in that gift of salvation. It's also the empowerment of God, his supernatural favor that rests distinctly on your life or on a distinct community for a season to go into the places that he's called us to go. And so they're experiencing in this outpouring, they're experiencing This power of operating under the grace of being spirit-led. And they are being led. How do we know that they're being spirit-led? In Acts 16, we see them operating with a directive from the Spirit of God through both the prophetic, as Acts 11 talks about people in their community who were speaking prophetically, who were being able to see the things that were ahead and were calling them out. And so as they're deciding, what does it look like to be a people who are spirit led? They're listening to the voice of the prophetic. And then also, as you'll see in Acts 16, Paul has a dream. He has a specific word of where they are to go as, as they are planting churches and as they're working as missionaries. And so they're saying, yes to unique ways that God is speaking to them. And so I want to encourage you this morning, do not close your ears to the unique ways that God wants to speak to you. I love the Bible. I have spent my life studying the Bible. One of my favorite things is to unpack the Bible and teach the Bible. And and it seems like for the last long time, many years. Uh, the, the Bible has been the central, it's one of the central um, pillars of my life. But I also want us to understand that this Acts Church, this early transformative people, this community, didn't have the Bible that you have, that you and I have today. They were not operating in that. It wasn't verse and reference that they used to justify what they were doing. It was that they had the fruitfulness of the Spirit. They had the empowerment of the Spirit, signs and wonders that verified that they were following the Spirit of God, and they they followed and walked out with that authority and with that place. And so I'm not saying that to say, oh, the Bible isn't vital. The Bible isn't important. I'm not saying that. But have you ever stopped to think that this transformative community that launched this worldwide revival that's still happening today weren't able to look in the Bible like you and I can? And and if we're willing to consider that thought, could it be possible that we have held the Bible as too much of a... mm too much permission maybe to be like I have got to find a scripture and I mean there we I've been there in my life where I'm like God I don't want to move I'm afraid to even step out unless I have a, a verse that justifies what I'm about to do I don't want to move unless there's a verse that I can say this is the verse this is the address of the verse that empowers me to do this thing and I love that and I think that's important but thinking about them as people who are just saying Holy Spirit What are you speaking to me today? What does it look like for me to go? And then what is going to be the thing that verifies that I'm moving in and with you? Is that the message of Jesus is going to be proclaimed, that disciples are being made, that people are being baptized, and that those who are following them are becoming more like Jesus. So is it important that we study our Bible? Absolutely. But could the Bible sometimes actually become a hindrance or a hurdle if I'm not careful with the way that I study it and use it to lead and live my life? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay, does anybody hear me demeaning the Bible or dismissing the Bible or diminishing the Bible? Todd, if you do, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) We'll have a good chat. No, (laughs) Okay, so please don't discount the way that God wants to speak to you, the way that he shows up for you, the way that he leads you and guides you. In fact, along with your reading I, or your Bible reading, I would I would strongly urge you to have something that you're writing down the ways that God is speaking to you or the ways that you feel like God is speaking to you because you don't always get it right. We're not like, oh, God speaking to me. Oh, I'm right 100% of the time. But it would help if you were jotting those things down to say, I feel like God is asking me to do this thing or speak to this person or step out boldly in this area or to, uh, to follow him into this place. As you keep track of the ways that God God is speaking to you, it allows you to walk in wisdom. What is wisdom? That you would find other godly believers who know the scripture, but also know God's heart, that you could bounce those things off of, that you have other people in your life that you can pray with about the things that you're feeling, and they can either corroborate those, corroborate those, or they can say, uh eh, let's go back and pray about that some more so we want to be people who are learning to hear the voice of God which means to steward that well is to be a person who tracks the things that you believe God is speaking to you so that over periods of time you are gaining wisdom and the ability to hear God more clearly and more directly as you um, as you sharpen that tool in your toolbox does that make sense Okay, so just encouragement of writing those things down and holding on to those. So when we believe that the Spirit of God is alive and active today and we are constantly immersed, or as we said in Acts 2, as we are baptized in Him, we must learn to open our life to being Spirit-led. So, let's read Acts 16. Now, you guys know I speak quickly. So, I know you're reading along, Right? So I can, I can read quickly, correct? Because you're reading along with me. Okay. Acts 16. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take Timothy along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. That was Acts 15. Uh, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Another day for another study, a fun topic of conversation. Paul's actually carrying the message from the early church that says you don't have to be circumcised. But to take Timothy with him, he says, Timothy, I want you to be circumcised. So it's it's a fun conversation about what it means to think like a missionary instead of a citizen that we'll have another time. Um, so remember this too that the cont- the contrast within the context that we're reading in Acts is that those who had traveled from Jerusalem before all of the things that caused uh, them to go to, to, in Acts 15, to go to Jerusalem and get a new set of, like, hey, what? how do you guys want us? If we're following Jesus and Jews are following Jesus and Gentiles are following Jesus, people are coming up from Jerusalem and saying, you've gotta follow all of these rules if you wanna follow Jesus. And so they have this meeting and they go, what do we really want the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel of Jesus to be? And so they carry this out from that place. And so if you remember the contrast of context, in this is that we are now, the, the, the author of this uh, of this history is writing the difference between those who went out of Jerusalem unsanctioned or are bringing religion and heaviness onto people versus Paul and his missionary teams who are going out and seeing supernatural favor and grace going before them, being spirit-filled and spirit-led, and that they are going out and they are bringing freedom. So the contrast within this context is peace. People bringing religion, and everywhere they go is heaviness and weariness on people. And Paul carrying a message of the gospel that is releasing people into freedom. Okay, so that's all of the the missionary journeys. Have that as a context piece. Put that away, just file that away. I think it's important for us to know that and recognize that. If we are carrying a message of religiosity... We are not going to bring people into freedom. We are not going to be a community that brings transformation. And a message of freedom that doesn't result in transformation, as Romans 12, 2 would say, it isn't a message of freedom. Galatians 5, it is for freedom that I have set you free. So if all we're preaching is liberty from religion and that leads you away from Jesus rather than liberty from religion that leads you to Christ-likeness. We are doing the gospel a disservice. We are here to speak and proclaim freedom. We are here to speak and proclaim that you can de- deconstruct your faith here. It's fine, you can deconstruct it because we believe that we we put all kinds of extra stuff onto our relationship with Jesus and by deconstructing that and by saying, does this bring me freedom? Does this bring me freedom? Does this bring me freedom? You pull all of those things off. What is deconstruction? deconstruction, de- deconstruction so often, or at least for me, has been taking all of these things off of my relationship with Jesus so that I can see him clearly again. And in seeing him clearly face-to-face In awe and reverence of him, I am transformed more and more into his likeness. And so it's safe to be able to say, hey, I don't want religion, but I don't want us to be free from religion in a way that leads us away from Jesus. And that should be our message of freedom that we bring. Okay, so where are we? Uh, Verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and have been kept by, having been kept by the holy spirit from preaching the word in the province of asia so the spirit of god is 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 holding them back from moving further to the north and to the west into the region of asia when they came to the border of Ma'isha, they tried to enter, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. This is them being spirit led. They are open to the directive of saying, we are going to proclaim the gospel. And as they go, they're being aware of what God is speaking to them as they go. If I could give you a gift as a believer in Jesus, it would be this. Let's not be believers in Jesus who sit until they have a word. Let us be believers who go and trust that the spirit Spirit of God is going to direct us as we go, and they are going in that confidence. They're going in that grace. They come to a region, and God says, this is not where I want you right now, and so they don't push into that region, and they wait, and then it says this. Paul had a vision, verse 8, of a man in Macedonia standing and begging them, come over to Macedonia and help us. So the Spirit of God knew where there was a preparedness in people's hearts to receive the gospel, and so as Paul had that vision, come over here. Paul had seen the vision. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel, the good news to them. Verse 11, from Trous we put out to sea and sailed straight for uh, Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi. And this is a Roman colony. It's important that we recognize this is a Roman colony because of what's about to happen. Remembering that Paul's a Roman citizen. Uh, And it's a leading city of the districts of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. So they're here. Should we go here? Spirit says no. Where should we go? They wait. There's a word from the Lord. Paul has a dream. And as soon as they have the dream, they're like, let's go. This is where you are leading us to go. And they're believing as they go that God has grace upon them for this time. And this is how it presents itself first. We showed up. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. People are gathering for prayer. It's not their same faith as theirs. It's not the same exact religion as theirs. But they're seeing people of spiritual hunger and because they see people of spiritual hunger they begin to point them to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyreta, Thytera, sorry, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When we go to the places that God has called us to go, there is a uh, the seed that we bring uh, finds ground where it can take root. When the when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, "Come and stay at my house," and she persuaded us. Once. When we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. I'm not sure why they wanted her to stop, um, because that's the truth, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved, except that they understood that God was asking them to bring a message that was relational to people and not declarative over a culture. And so, so often we want to shout things when they were saying, you know what, let's go down by the river and find people that are hungry for the Spirit of God and let's tell them about Jesus. We don't need you shouting about Jesus. We need to relate to people and bring the message of Jesus. And so for whatever reason, maybe that's what was going on, but for whatever reason, she kept at this for many days. So they're going back and forth. Lydia and her household, this young church is growing. They're they're teaching people about Jesus. People are joining them. And yet every day as they're walking to the river, this, this young woman is shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. So often, come on, listen to me. So often, you have authority over darkness, but so often you are responding to culture rather than the spirit behind the culture. And you are creating wars. We, sorry, I'm not trying to say I'm not doing it. I would never blame you <laughs> and not take responsibility myself. But so often... So often we know that there is evil, we know that there is darkness, we know that the spiritual realm is real and that there are things going on behind the scenes And yet, why then do we look at the people and shout at the people and hate the people and question the people and divide from the people when we know that if we are to speak on the authority of Christ, the King of kings who is on the throne and who has empowered us as ambassadors, that we speak to the spiritual realm, we speak to the spiritual things that are going on behind the scenes and have authority over that so that we don't turn our mission field into a battlefield full of enemies. And so they responded to the spirit in the name of Christ Jesus. If Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews. So there's racial undertones happening here that they could get away with this, what they're about to do, because these were Jewish men. And they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Anytime that we stand up against the darkness that is behind Whatever may be going on, whether it's in our family, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in culture, it is going to come down to disrupting someone's selfishness, that they are not getting what they want out of it. And they can use a hundred different reasons, but at the end of the day, they can say, Oh, well, these guys are teaching something that we aren't supposed to believe as Romans. They didn't care about the rules of Roman citizenship. You know what they cared about? The money. They're saying oh man these you're not letting us follow these roman rules and our religion and oh no it's all about the money and so they're upset about this because their way to make money had been taken from them and the crowd joined in the attack against paul and silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods and after they had been severely flogged they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully so they had no trial nothing went on they were just stripped down and they were beaten and thrown into prison when, they were, when he when the jailer received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and he fastened their feet in the stocks. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Verse 30. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. This is the same message they've been proclaiming since Acts chapter 2, that this generation is guilty, and you are being called out of this generation. That's what Peter preached. This is Matthew 24. This is what Jesus prophesied. They believe that their message is that if you would come and follow Jesus, you would be preserved from the prophecy that Jesus gave of Matthew 24 that you would be preserved from this generation that said may the blood of Jesus be on our heads and on our hands that we take full responsibility and accountability for crucifying and murdering Jesus and so their message is Jesus has prophesied Matthew 24 and you shall be saved out of it by believing in him they didn't know what that was going to look like or what was coming but they had a sense of urgency because they believed that what Jesus had said was true so the, um, and so he said, what do we have to do to believe? Believe the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and finally washed their wounds. Somebody had, No one had taken care of them up to this point. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. Yay, we win. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. They wanted to make sure that everyone saw their vindication So that what? So they could be proven right, look at us? No, so that their gospel message would be unhindered. They were preaching the gospel and a mob of people was allowed to beat them and throw them into prison. If they simply released them without any sort of acknowledgement of that, of saying, we were wrong, the way that we treated you was wrong, then they are still gonna carry that and walk out into culture and maybe experience the same thing again so it was important it wasn't paul saying oh i want the parade so that everybody knows how how justified and how right i am no it was about the gospel going forth and him say they say these men are roman citizens you can't touch them you cannot oppose them you can't do anything to them it allows the gospel to continue to go out from their lives the officers, the officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they were met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And then they left. So that's Acts chapter 16. I want to pull a couple things out as we wrap up our time this morning. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to be a spirit-filled community in Acts chapter 2 and Romans 6.10, that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead resides in us. A spirit-filled community tears down the differences in the walls between people and it draws people together, we said. In a spirit-filled community, we said that me and my disappear because people are willing to share resources and, took, and take responsibility for others. In a spirit-filled community, we learn to live with a sense of awe because we're drawing on a bigger picture of what God is doing. In a spirit-led community, which is what we're talking about in Acts 16, We see that in a spirit-led community, the message is received one way or another. So be encouraged. What they experienced as they went into that culture was saying, Okay, God is leading us here, and as God is leading us here, he's going to show us the person, the people that we are to connect with, the people that we are to sit down with, the people that we are to share the gospel with. And so if, we, if they are spirit-led, they're being spirit-led, they're going to find that fruitfulness to the message that they're proclaiming. And I believe that that's true of us as well. If we're to be a spirit-led community, that God is going to show us places to, to go, people to speak to, and things to do that are going to be fruitful, And sometimes, like it was with Lydia, it's going to be very easy and cost us very little. Could they all be moments like that where we wander down to the riverside, finding people who are praying to God, and we'll say, do you know Jesus? And they're like, I don't know Jesus, but we're praying to God, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. They received the message. And I I, I mean, there will be times and moments when you're living a spirit-led life, when we're living as a transformational, spirit-led community, when we're gonna find such favor and such readiness for people to receive the message of Jesus. And so that message is received as we are spirit led. When we're spirit led, there's an expectation of power and authority that goes behind our assignment. That's what I talked about a little bit as we were reading through Acts 16. That they knew that as ambassadors of the king, the king who's on the throne, that they had authority over darkness, authority over the demonic. They had authority over the things that were going on around them, which allowed them to rebuke the evil spirit that was using this little girl to profit those who were taking advantage of them, of them. If heaven commissions us and heaven empowers us, then we believe that we can go and do the things that God is asking us to do. They had this sense of authority as they were spirit led that God is gonna show up. Sometimes we're gonna proclaim a message and it's gonna be easy. Sometimes we're gonna walk in authority and be empowered and we're gonna see the fruit of that. The other thing that we see as being a spirit led community, is that victory isn't about preservation and escape. It's about the message of Jesus taking root. In, in, in chapter 16, when they were set free, instead of running away, they chose to stay. Their deliverance wasn't for them. It wasn't to show a big miracle and show off. Their deliverance was in partnership with their choice to remain so that the gospel could reach this jailer and his entire household. So now you have a partnership of the jailer and his household and Lydia and her household. And in that way, the gospel is taking root in that whole region. Victory isn't about preservation and escape. It's about the message of Jesus taking root. Too often we're crying out to God so that... We end up looking good so that we see, so everyone sees that we're right. But when God's deliverance come, my question to you is, are you willing to remain in that place if God is asking you to? It would have been so easy for Paul to be a victim. Oh, they beat me. They did this thing. Let the guy kill himself. That's justice, right? He deserves it. But instead, and, I, and, I'm, not, and I'm not making light of this, but is not our response to culture often more along those veins where we're like, whatever's coming, You deserve it. I'm over here and God's gonna deliver me. Well, guess what? Deliverance isn't just to preserve you from what other people have coming. It's for you to say, I could bolt right now, but I'm choosing to stay in the midst of this so that the gospel of Jesus can be heard by every single one of us. That's a different approach that we need to have and that they took. When we are spirit-led, the hardships and the setbacks that we are encountering become places of miraculous intervention and divine encounters. And I know divine encounters is a super religious sounding phrase. Forgive me for using it. But what it means is that we believe that God is divinely at work bringing, as we're spirit-led, a community of transformation, that God is divinely at work bringing us to the right people in the right moments, in the right places for the gospel to be able to take root. And we believe that these divine encounters, that these miraculous interventions are actually going to turn the people who oppose us into allies and advocates instead of enemies. God led intersections that only he could arrange. When we are spirit led, if we are a community of transformation and spirit led, then we are gonna see miraculous intervention, but we're also gonna see these divine encounters. And what does that mean? That when God delivers us and brings you out of a situation and he breaks every door open before you, this is what it means. Not every single door that God opens is a door that you're supposed to walk through. Sometimes it is in asking the spirit, where am I to remain? and not run, that is going to allow you to stay in the midst of a hardship. They were beaten. They were captured. They were th- no one took care of them. They were thrown into stocks. It would have been so easy for them to just leave and say, whatever happens to you, happens to you. But they understood that just because God opens the door doesn't mean that I'm supposed to flee through it. Just because God God is opening you a door in a situation or out of a situation, it doesn't mean that you're to run through it. Being spirit led is to be a person who says, God, would you have me remain? As people are watching my life and going, wow, you could have just taken off. You could have done whatever you wanted, but you chose to stay with me, staying in a culture. Staying engaged in a culture. Staying engaged in a city. Staying engaged in a neighborhood. Staying in a relationship that is difficult. And I'm not advocating for staying in an abusive relationship. Don't hear me saying that. But I'm saying that there are times when you are begging God, God, would you change this? Would you change this? Would you change this? And he's saying, I don't want to just change your circumstances. I want to change the people that are in it. But that's going to require you functioning in powerful grace and remaining in the midst of it as I ask you to. Staying in those kinds of moments and in those places. Not every door that God opens is a door that we're to walk through. I want to pray for us. Thank you for taking some time in Acts 16. I encourage you guys to continue reading Acts 16. I encourage you to be reading Acts for these next few months. I encourage you that God is at work in your life and he's at work in this community and he's at work in communities all around the world. But the one that that I'm in is this one, Living Waters. And so I wanna speak directly to you guys, believing that we are not only to be a a spirit-filled community, that we are to be a spirit-led community and that it's not gonna be about how we gather, how many we gather. It's gonna be about how we go and how we walk from this place. So God, wherever we find ourselves today, if we're in the prison of circumstance or if we're walking into a culture or a uh, or a situation that you're calling us to be spirit-led people to, I ask first, God, that you would remind us that we carry the message of you, Jesus, to every single person that we encounter. And that doesn't mean that we have to shout it, but it does mean we have to look for those, those divine interventions, those moments. And whether it's people who are extremely open to the good news in the gospel or if it's people who are opposing us and beating us and removing us and figuratively beating us or whatever it is that are opposing us, that whichever it is that we would remain as you would ask us to remain as spirit-led people to see your gospel go forth. That you are interceding for us and you are intervening for us, God. But it's not just so that we can escape every hard and difficult situation. Sometimes it's so that we can remain in them with you and find that you're up to far more than just setting us into a better place and that you're after people and lives and stories just like you are after ours. Teach us what it looks like to remain in some of these difficult places where it's so tempting to run. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much, as I said, for studying Acts 16 with us. We love you. There's so many more things that I can't wait to say and unpack in the book of Acts, and we've got the next few weeks. Um, next week, though, I want to tell you we have a special message um, for Father's Day, and so we'll take a one-week break from Acts. but keep reading Acts, but join us next week for Father's Day. Have a great week. We love you guys so much. So appreciate you. Thank you, guys.